0: Welcome back to Second and Short. It is December 16th, and this is a Friday episode. This is the first of its kind. And I, I got a special friend who's going to be joining me every week, and that is Mr. Luke Morozik. Luke, yes, sir. why don't you introduce yourself?
1: What's up, guys? I am so happy to be on here. So glad that Grayson invited me. This is so exciting. So exciting.
0: Anything you want to let the people know about you, Luke? Anything in particular?
1: For sure, for sure. Uh I am a journalism major at UGA, Spanish minor. Uh the goal is to be a sports spe- or no, sports speaking, Spanish speaking sports journalist. Um I'm I'm into the NFL and soccer are probably my two main things, but I can kind of talk about anything. I am a degenerate Steelers fan. Degenerate Steelers fan.
2: <laughs> That's the best kind of sports fans. For some. 100%. For some.
0: And I, and I know you didn't want to say it, but you are a Yankees fan, and I have yeah. to bring that up.
1: Yeah. So I don't. I. Yeah. So I. I don't like to tell people that I am a, a Yankees fan on top of being a Steelers fan because obviously that kind of gets like, you know, a bad rap. But um, yeah. I just grew up watching A Rod, and I clinged on to him. Of course, not anymore. You know, after everything has happened with him. But um, yeah. I am a also a huge Yankees fan as well.
0: All right. Well. Let's go ahead and get into this week 15 preview for the NFL. Let's do uh, it. It's going to start out um, Miami Dolphins going to Buffalo. Buffalo is a seven point favorite and uh, they've got the over under at 44 points. Um, what's your, what's your first glance at this game? What are you thinking?
1: So this is a huge playoff game for the Dolphins Sunday night football. It's prime time. You're going into Buffalo in the snowy ass weather. And you have a chance to prove everybody, not only your division rivals, but the whole NFL, that the Florida boys can play in the damn snow. And they can also be a playoff contender because, I mean, a lot of people, and I feel like majority of people, are saying that AFC, you know, in the Super Bowl will be the Buffalo Bills. Well, I feel like the Dolphins have a good chance to maybe, you know, put kind of, put a hole in that argument maybe this game.
0: Yeah, uh, I think that the Dolphins have a, a great shot at winning this game. Uh, I think what stands in front of them is is going to make it really tough. And we saw this uh, matchup in week three. Dolphins took it 21-19. But I think these teams have definitely changed over those weeks. Trades have happened. Uh, just in general, the rosters have moved around a little bit. But Josh Allen really had his way against this defense. They just couldn't finish in the red zone in that week three matchup. Those are in a great position. The only thing holding them back is the run game. James Cook has been okay. And you know, there's some missing pieces there, but they have a great defense. They've obviously got the quarterback and the receivers, but throughout this season, Josh Allen has been their primary source of rushing. And I think that puts you in a tough position. So I, I, I don't think that the bills can really really have a big impact on the playoffs without a running back. I I know that this team is amazing and they've got stars at every position, but you run the risk of losing your entire offense because you want the quarterback to run the ball.
1: I agree. Um, I will say this, though, about this game. It's very interesting because the Dolphins have lost their two starting quarterbacks earlier in the season, and they're without the two guys that replaced them against the uh, against the Bills on Sunday night football. So I I agree with your argument that for the future, they will definitely need a running back because they haven't had one in what feels like forever. Um, But I think Josh Allen could probably go for 400 yards tonight. Or yeah, not tonight, but... but on Sunday night. Uh, because... he, he did
2: – they're without, he did the they're same without their two
1: starting quarterbacks. Three. Yeah. And he did the same thing in week three. And they're without even more players. So the Dolphins, I mean, they might have to get some sort of pass rush going on because the secondary will get lit up in this game. And they're just going to have to keep up offensively and have a pass rush.
0: Yeah. And then for Miami, um, I, I think the glaring problem in the last couple of weeks is that Tua just has not been very good. And, and there's no way to sugarcoat it. He's 28 for 62 on his passes in the last two games, that's a 45% completion percentage. That's about 20% less than league average this season. So if Tua can start throwing a good ball, or maybe just taking a little bit higher percentage passing options, then I think that the Dolphins could be more successful, but he's putting them in bad situations. And then like another thing where it's just more proof that he's just not playing to where he should be right now in the last two games He's averaging a 22.2 QBR. He's still second in QBR this season after those two performances. Wow. But that 22.2 over a full season would be worse than any of the 31 qualified quarterbacks this season in QBR.
1: Wow. That's a, that's a pretty good stat. Um and you know, he's going into rival territory on top of it being frigid. And usually in the cold, I, I feel like you kind of like to run the ball because receivers' hands are going to be cold and numb. Quarterbacks' hands are going to be cold and numb. So, I don't know. Tua, I, it's weird for the Dolphins because they're 8-5, and five, but they spent so much money on their running back core this season. Chase Edmonds is now hurt, and I'm pretty sure they traded for Jeff Wilson Jr. And none of them – I, I don't know. The Dolphins don't have a run game either to take the pressure off Tua Tagovailoa, of which you could also argue that maybe, you know, Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill and Mike Gesicki, who have, we have not seen a lot of Mike Gesicki. I'm not too sure why Mike McDaniels doesn't really like Mike Gesicki this year because he's talented in his own right. But they just um, haven't been finding a good way to make the passing game work with the bad run game, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. It, like, they have... You know, a couple of talented running backs. Jeff Wilson Jr. looked really good in those first couple of games in San Fran this year. He comes over the Dolphins. He hasn't had a huge impact, but he's still there. And then Raheem Mostert, uh, a guy that they spent some money on in the offseason, doesn't look any better. And I, I just think that with Tua playing uh, is a little cold right now. And then with the running backs not really getting the carries they should. It's just a recipe for disaster for the rest of the season for the Dolphins.
1: I I couldn't agree more. Um, Yeah, could not agree more with that.
0: And then on top of it, you know, they've lost the last two, and those two losses come off the back of one of the easiest five-game stretches I've seen, which I I believe it started in Pittsburgh, unfortunately. Yeah, RIP. But, like, it went Pittsburgh, Detroit, Chicago, Chicago. Cleveland, Houston. And then they just hit a brick wall in San Fran. And then once again against LA. And this is their third week straight on the road. I, I got a feeling another loss is coming for the Dolphins.
1: I, I couldn't agree more, but man, would it, would it shake up that division if they were able to pull something off? I mean, really. Uh, I, like you said, there, there really isn't anything positive to go off of for the Dolphins to win in Buffalo. Um, I mean, in their last five three teams that they've beaten are teams that have completely struggled I mean Chicago has been able to put up points against people but they're a struggling team of course the Dolphins should win that game same thing with Cleveland and same thing with Houston now San Francisco that defense I mean with the Dolphins offense in their receiving game maybe you would expect more than 17 points against San Francisco but that's still a really good defense and the Chargers I feel like that's a game that, you know, if the Dolphins expect to be in the playoffs this year, that's a game that you just got to come out on top of.
0: Yeah, and all the eyes are going to be on this Bills-Dolphins matchup. Uh, Saturday night football, which is my favorite. I love oh, yeah. a good Saturday night football game. Me too. But I, I just, I can't see a world where the Dolphins can, eat. I don't even know if they'll cover, honestly. I don't think that the Dolphins just have what it takes right now. Look, they they want to go home. They want to be playing in Hard Rock. This is their third week straight, like I just said, and I I just think they're going to keep falling on their face. Is, is there anything else you got to say about this one?
1: Um, I would like to see more of James Cook. That's really oh, the only thing. I mean, a little bit biased, you know, with James Cook coming out of Georgia, but I mean Devin Singletary isn't getting it done. I would like to see more of like a 50, 50. Cause I think James cook could carry his own weight on this team. I really do.
0: Yeah. I, I think he can be a great running back. Um, I, I don't think that James cook can be a, a primary source of offense. He, he seems to work better in a running back by committee setup. but give him a little more opportunities to get a ball in the flat. Maybe line him up as a receiver. He He showed off how well he can play. After the catch at Georgia, and it just seems like we haven't seen a lot of that while he's been in Buffalo.
1: I I couldn't agree more. And one last thing to go off of uh, this game that I wanted to talk about that I thought was kind of interesting is one more thing that does not make that, that does not look good for the Dolphins in this situation um, is the fact that Buffalo their last two wins were divisional wins, and I don't know I I like divisional wins no matter no matter how bad the other team is or how good they are i feel like it's always a tough game and against the jets and the patriots they have come out on top both times so yeah the dolphins are yeah it's an important probably screwed (laughs) probably yeah it's
0: an important thing to look at um if you can have success within your division it's huge because those are the highest pressure games you're going to have all season it's the guys that you got to play twice a year and most of the time they keep it close If the Bills can just keep on rolling against divisional opponents, they'll have no problem. It's when they get out of the division that sometimes they struggle. But um, we'll move on to uh, Lions-Jets. This one's in New Jersey. Jets are a one-point favorite, and I think that favorite only comes from them being the home team because neither of these teams are much better than the other. And then the over-under is put at uh, 44.5. And both of these teams... This is an important one for them. They're they're sneakily making a push for a playoff spot. And if you would have told me that last year, I I wouldn't have believed you. But both of these teams are the second team out in their conferences right now. So there's a lot on the line here.
1: Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. Um, What you have here are, I would probably go ahead and say, two of the most hungry football teams in the National Football League right now. Be, I mean, I don't even have to say that about, or have to describe or go into why the Lions are hungry. They have Dan Campbell, right? Dan Campbell is his name.
0: Yes, he he's knew, trying to eat your kneecaps.
1: Yeah, yeah, he is the mo- I the most hungry head coach in the NFL right now. The most hungry head coach in the NFL right now, and I, I just feel like this this could turn into a bloodbath really quick because you have a team that's sitting at six and seven. That's the Lions, and then the Jets are at seven and six. Both teams are on the cusp of making it to the playoffs and God knows how long. I mean, I I just feel like both of these organizations are super hungry because they have gone against the status quo this year, and both of them look good for the first time in God knows how long. I I mean, the Lions have been bad forever, the Jets have been bad forever, but both of them look like they could be a playoff team right now, and they're playing against each other. It's going to be awesome.
0: Yeah, and then like after a, a very impressive win, against the Jets for the Lions, they're primed for another good performance. I really do think so. But the offense has to keep up with the defense. If they give up as many yards as they did last week, the offense has to come prepared. It's as simple as that. Look, their defense can't get as lucky as last week because they they gave up 223 yards to Justin Jefferson. Kirk Cousins had 425 yards in the air, and they still won that game. So it's just about being clutch in the high-pressure situations. Look, you can let them march down the field as much as you want. If you stop them short of the end zone, you can win the game. Yeah, uh,
1: I, I completely agree. Um, completely agree with that. Because you're, you're having a Lions offense that looks unstoppable, even with Jared Goff at the helm, which I still can't really believe that. But, uh, hey, good for them. And then the Jets defense, they just have some dogs on the defense. They are some studs. So I, I could not be more excited for this game.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, the Jets are kind of in the opposite position of the lines right now. They're coming off of uh or they're on a two-game losing streak right now, and they they have to win this game to make the playoffs at this point. It is it an integral matchup in this season. And I, I don't know how it's gonna go for the Jets. Uh Mike White is still a little bit beat up from last week. He he's gonna most likely start even with the sore ribs. But I I think that if if Mike White doesn't come out hot, we'll probably see Flacco in the second quarter on.
1: I I actually like that take. Um, I I completely agree, and that's actually one of the points that I wanted to talk about with you. Um, in my notes here, so I was kind of confused as to why they let Mike White come back into the game for a third time, and. My opinion on that is if they let him come back in the game so many times, which I respect his toughness, by the way, but if he is the future quarterback moving forward, I don't know why you don't put in Flacco or even Zach Wilson to finish off the game. I It's a must win against Buffalo last week. I, I understand that, but I don't know. It kind of felt like they were kind of using him a little bit. Or the vice versa of that is maybe they thought Mike White was better than Flacco or Zach Wilson. So, I don't know. I'd like to get your thoughts on why they let him back in the game a third time, or even a second time.
0: Well, I certainly think that the Jets do think that Mike White is better than Flacco and Wilson, even if he's a little bit banged up. But, at that point, why risk the future of your season on one game? Yeah. Because... If he would have gone out there, and let's say he broke a couple ribs, then he's definitely getting sidelined for a week, let alone the the rest of the regular season. So I, I think that came down to a decision-making thing. Do we know who made the decision? No, of course not. I don't think that Robert Salah would just throw a guy who doesn't want to go back in the game in the game. I, I got a feeling Mike White had a lot to do with coming back in. Look, he, he's a fighter. He has waited his turn in the NFL, and he's got his opportunity, and he doesn't want to lose it. So I get why he probably wanted to come back in this game. It, it just, you can't jeopardize your health and safety for a win.
1: No. Um, and I a part of me kind of wants to believe that it would have been different if it wasn't a divisional opponent, and it wasn't such a close game.
0: Yeah, if it wasn't so close, obviously, um, whether he wanted to come back in or not, they probably would have made the decision to just let him be. But, you know, close game. And he's if he's insisting that he comes back in the game, he's your starting quarterback. You got to listen to him.
1: Sure. Um, sure, I agree.
0: All right. Well, then we're going to move into uh, Titans at Chargers. Chargers are favored by three. Over unders at forty six and a half. W- what's your first thought?
1: Ah, uh, my my first thought is that the Titans are on a three game losing streak and they don't look very good right now. I mean, blown out by Philly. Also, I mean, not really blown out, but they also gave up thirty six points to Jacksonville. Not a lot of teams have given up thirty six points to Jacksonville. Um, and and they came off of a loss of Cincinnati as well. I. I don't know. The, the Titans, you know, both of these teams are on the cusp right now, so it's going to be another dogfight like the game that we just covered. But uh, I don't know. Uh, I think what, what we have here, the Chargers have an awful run defense this year. The Titans have Derrick Henry. That, that looks pretty good for him. The Titans have an awful pass defense. The Chargers have Herbert, who's a dog, Keenan Allen, who's a dog. They have that tight end Everett, who's kind of had a breakout season. He's a dog. And they have Mike Williams. That's another dog.
0: And Jordan Palmer. Can't even and forget Jordan about him. Palmer. He was filling the role the whole time that Keenan Allen and Mike Mike Williams were out, and he was doing fine. So, yeah, there's a ton of weapons on this team. And Herbert has looked amazing. He hasn't thrown an interception in three weeks. He's had at least 270-plus in his last four games, and he's got all of his weapons back. Like, this is, a te- this is an offense that should be feared. But, yeah, you're right. There's question marks about this defense and Derrick Henry can be the source of the offense for the Titans. He's done it before, but they can't be successful that way.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree. I think what it's going to come down to is for the Titans, it's going to come down to how long Derrick Henry can keep those weapons on offense for the Chargers off the field. But what you're going to want from the Titans is long drives that always end in a touchdown, always end in a touchdown. I think for the Titans' defense – don't give up a big play and have a good red zone defense. That that would be the keys for the Titans to win. But the Chargers look, I mean, the Titans defense is awful. And the Chargers have so many weapons, so many weapons on offense.
0: Yeah. And if, let's say that Derrick Henry can't get it going, which we've seen a couple of times this season, there's no source of offense outside of him. Like, Ryan Tannehill is not going to come take over a game.
1: No, and neither is Malik Willis if they decide to bench Tannehill.
0: Yeah, so I feel like the Titans are riding on decent quarterback play and 200 yards from Derrick Henry if they want to keep up with a a very high-skilled, high-potential Chargers offense.
1: Yeah, I, I agree fully with that.
0: You got anything else for this one? I know I know there's not too much to talk about here. Obviously, it's just a matchup game.
1: Um, Derwin James is questionable, and I think that has a pretty, pretty significant deal in this one. Um, obviously, because Derwin James is Derwin James, but if if the Titans have any shot at getting a pass game, I feel I feel like it's Derwin James being quite or out for this game.
0: But it's not like, you know, the ball doesn't typically reach the safety with Brian Tannehill.
1: That is true, but I don't know. He comes down and blows up some short passes sometimes, and he's pretty decent against the run as well.
0: He is. Yeah, He he's a game changer. So if he doesn't play, this game could go very different. But even though he's questionable, if he's on the field, whether he's, you know, not 100%, he still makes an impact, and, and it's something that the Titans are going to have to look out for.
1: 100%. I agree. All
2: right. You ready to go
0: on to uh, Giants-Commanders? Yes, sir. Let's do it. All right. So the Giants going into Washington. They played two weeks ago. Uh, Washington is a 4.5-point favorite. Over-unders at 40.5. And my biggest surprise here is that the Commander's are kind of a large favorite in this matchup. I I feel like these two teams align pretty well. Like the last time they played, they tied.
1: I agree that that is actually interesting. Um, I I think a lot of it though, it probably has to do with the the Giants have just simply not been good anymore. Um, Started the season really strong. They're not finishing it strong. The commanders, literally the opposite. I I think that has a lot to do with uh, the commanders being a favorite and the last one ended in a tie between the two. I think the commanders come out on top on this one for sure.
0: Yeah. And the only thing that is kind of standing in the way of me thinking that the commanders can win this pretty handedly is that Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson are questionable. Yes. And that, that'll totally change the game because yeah, you can put a game in Heineke's hands and he can make some big plays, but if you don't allow them to get the short yardage and move up the field, He's going to force himself into some bad throws.
1: Yeah, um, for sure. Heineke is, is not a standalone quarterback in the sense where he could kind of just carry an offense without wide receivers, without running backs. Luckily, he has wide receivers, but it, it's going to be tough for him. It, it's going to be tough. Granted, he is at home this time, uh, which will help him out with play calling and stuff like that, so it may alleviate some of the pressure. Um, that, you know, in a way crowd would influence an offense. But uh, I don't know. I I still think the commanders have it, even without the two running backs. I I am betting on Saquon to be stopped again for another week because he has not been very good the past couple weeks.
0: Interesting, because I think it's the other way around. I I think Saquon's going to have a good game because I I think Brian Dable is going to let this team know that it's time to put it in gear. And what we've seen from Brian Dable as a coach so far this year is that he can get his guys to clutch up in the big situations. Like, they, they haven't lost a lot of close games. A, a lot of their losses have been against the teams that, you know, on paper they should have lost to. Like, let's see, they've... They lost to the Cowboys, which they should have lost to. They lost to a Seahawks team that was really rolling. and And then... It's just the past couple of weeks where they've kind of stumbled. They lost to the Lions who, you know, have turned it around and they look really good. Lost to a Cowboys again. Lost to the Eagles again. Like it it's tough to see that. But they're losing the games that more than likely they should have. And I I think that they could pull out the win. I
1: I don't know. It it it's just it's hard, but uh you know, to your point, this this would be the time to try to make a statement if you're the New York Giants. I mean, you know, you've lost your last couple. Um, and the, the last team you beat was Houston. It was Houston. <laughs> so, I, I don't know. You know, it's looking rough for the Giants in the playoff picture if they keep slipping. But, you know, as I said before, you're away. It's going to be cold. It's division rivalry. I'm pretty sure it's Sunday night football as well. Um so I would, you know, I would like to see the giants come out on top. I just don't think that they will.
0: Fair enough. Well, I do want to get into a little bit of the playoff picture. Uh, we're, we're getting into week 15. There's only four weeks of football left before the post And there's a lot of teams that have got a chance to make it in. So right now, uh, the only team that's clinched is the Eagles. Um, they've easily clinched but on the NFC side there there's a little bit of separation when it comes to um, the number four team which is the Buccaneers because they'll most likely win the NFC South we'll, we'll see how that goes that division's a, a clusterfuck but um, the Vikings 49ers they're probably going to lock it up um, the Cowboys will probably make it but those last two spots are held by Washington and New York. And, you know, whoever wins this game might solidify their spot. And the loser's really going to have to fight.
1: Yeah, because they have the Seahawks who are hungry and the Lions who are hungry behind them. So,
0: yeah. And then you have a Packers team that I, I really don't think you can count out. I, I know, I know they've been very bad this year. But it's still Aaron Rodgers. It's still Aaron Jones. Like, they have guys that can make a difference in a game. And I trust Matt LaFleur as a coach. I know he hasn't come up very clutch in the postseason, but this is a Packers team that, other than losing Devontae Adams, they haven't changed much. And they still have guys. It's just about performance. And, you know, maybe they've lost it. Maybe Rodgers is done. Maybe the locker room has just given up. But I I feel like they've still got the talent to make a push.
1: I I couldn't agree more. Um, They have a lot of good, young, wide receivers. And I honestly, I'm a big fan of Alan Lazard. I thought he was going to receive over 1,000 yards this year. That, that was one of my bold hot takes for him, was that he would be crazy this year because it was his turn to step up. But it doesn't really look like that's happened. I Packers are one of those teams, man, like you said, you can never count out Aaron Rodgers or Matt LaFleur. I mean, he's... Struggled in the postseason, yes, but he is still a really, really good head coach. Those organizations where if they're in the playoffs, there's a different edge to them being in the playoffs. Kind of like seeing the Cowboys or the Steelers in the playoffs, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and the Packers, um, their schedule going forward isn't extremely difficult. Uh, They've got the Rams this week, which... You would think that it's a lock for the Packers to win, but the Rams are a complete wild card. After what we saw last Thursday, uh, their team is like a hundred percent different from the like the beginning of the season. And then the Packers face Miami, and then they've got two divisional games to finish it out in Minnesota or uh, against Minnesota and against the Lions. And look, they've they've got a fighting chance in all of these games, but. I think it all lies in the hands of this week's game. If they can look super impressive and just whip the hell out of the the Rams, I think that people are going to give them a little bit more of a chance.
1: Yeah, uh, I couldn't agree more. You know, and it's a good week for the Packers because, like you said, the the Rams are it, it, they're four and nine and they're still trying to figure things out for the rest of the season. So, you know. They they did have the crazy Thursday night, Thursday night win with you know Baker Mayfield's awesome drive, but they, I would still consider them a team in shambles, and the Packers could capitalize on that.
0: Yeah, and and all that all that the Packers need is momentum. Look, they they started off four and one, and then they lost five straight, but then miraculously pull out a, a, a huge win against the Cowboys. And then fall right back down on their face. Like, it, it doesn't make sense to me how this Packers team has gone throughout this season, but I, I still believe in them for some dumb reason.
1: <laughs> it's because of that bad man at number 12. He. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, he has been awful this year, especially that damn interception that he threw to Aiden Hutchinson. That was horrible. I mean, when the hell do you see, for one, Aaron Rodgers throw picks, two, to a D lineman? I mean, that's been Roethlisberger's job. I, I couldn't believe that game. And and to me, that kind of sealed the deal for this era of the Packers. But at the same time, like you said, I just can't count them out. And I think it's because of the era that we grew up in and watching 12 play.
0: Yeah, it, it is. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers hasn't really failed anybody in his career. Obviously, he's only got one Super Bowl. Oh, no. Guess what? You listening right now, you don't have a Super Bowl. So don't sit here and say that Aaron Rodgers is is bad and Aaron Rodgers doesn't win. Guess what? He's got a million more NFL wins than you do. Yeah, but I I do want to talk about uh a little bit more about the NFC South because the NFC South might have the most crazy ending uh, of any division. I agree. I agree. the The Panthers and the Falcons are only one game behind the Bucks, and they're both. They both have relatively easy matchups this week. The Panthers are taking on the Steelers. Falcons taking on the Saints. Of course, the Falcons-Saints is always going to be a close one, but I, I think without the Saints have been playing, the Falcons should take it. But both of them have the chance to win this week, and then the Buccaneers are walking straight into uh, a, a sure defeat. Honestly, I'll, I'll say it. The Bengals are going to whip the hell out of the... Uh, Buccaneers. So there's a chance that after this week, they're all locked up at six and eight for the lead in the NFC South.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I I think if you're a Falcons fan, you're you're still kicking yourself over that Chargers loss, because if I if I remember correctly, Thursday night football, Tom Brady got his ass kicked by the Ravens in Tampa on Thursday Night Football, and the Sunday after that, the Falcons looked like they were going to beat the Chargers, but then you have Khalil Mack literally taking the ball away from Drake London. Didn't really even cause a fumble, just took the ball away from him like near the goal line, and then I'm pretty sure you had a fumble recovery that was fumbled again and then recovered by the Chargers. And for me, I, for me that kind of changed that whole division and made it a lot closer than it should have been. The Falcons, in my opinion, really do not look that bad this year at all, but they're, they've are they lost two straight.
0: They don't. They don't, and Desmond Ritter's starting the game this week. Uh, Mariota's going to be out. Looks like he's getting surgery, and there's been a little bit of drama within the locker room with him getting benched, but I, I think the Falcons will have kind of a, a new energy coming into next week. They're coming off the bye. They've got a brand new starting quarterback. Uh, things are going to look a little bit different this week. They might come off to a slow start, but, with the, it, it's a good game to to start off a hot streak against the Saints because the Saints suck.
1: Yeah, I I think you could look at it two ways. Maybe you don't want your rookie quarterback's first game to be against your arch enemies, but also at the same time, you know what a statement to the rest of the league it would be if he showed up. And on top of that, like you just pointed out, they're coming off of a bye week, so he's had extra time to prepare, which a lot of rookies, you know, sometimes they're, they're not really given that time. So. Desmond Ritter he he's really been given the tools to make a good appearance here. It's just And for your first game to be a Saint against the Saints as a Falcons quarterback, it that's gonna be that's a big moment that you're just gonna have to show up. And I mean you're five and eight, the team you're playing is four and nine, both of you guys have a chance to potentially win the division. Who knows? Um and and yeah, I, I don't know. It, it could be it could be tough.
0: Yep, and then you know after the Falcons and Panthers in the NFC, uh the only other three teams in contention for a playoff spot are the Cardinals, which it's just not going to happen, uh the Saints who I don't think it's going to happen, but who knows. Like I said, the NFC South is anybody's. And then the Rams who I believe after this week will probably be eliminated. But um we'll move over to the AFC where things are pretty interesting. Uh there's a lot of close uh, like a three-way tie uh by records um for the 7th spot. Th- there's a lot going on. Uh so it starts off Bills 1, Chiefs 2. Uh they're both 10 and 3. Uh the Ravens are number 3 at 9 and 4. Uh I I got a feeling that the Bengals will end up jumping the Ravens in the AFC North and the Bengals will end up winning that division taking the 3 seed. Um I don't I I kind of think that with Lamar's injury, the Ravens might still drop out of the playoffs, even with nine wins.
1: Oh, wow, that's a that's a pretty hot take. Um it's definitely possible. I mean the Patriots are creeping up, the Chargers are creeping up, and the Jets are creeping up. So I, I could see it. You know, with Lamar being hurt, it might ruin their mojo a little bit for sure. But we're coming off of a um Pretty questionable win against the Steelers, I will say. But, hey, a win against the Steelers is always a win, and I know Baltimore will take that every single time. Um, yeah, I mean, who knows? The Ravens could always drop, for sure.
0: Yeah, and then um, the four-seed Tennessee, we, we've obviously talked about how we both think they're going to lose this game, but the schedule doesn't look great for them to finish off the season. Obviously, um there's always a good chance that they're going to win that division because um, it, it is a very weak division but they haven't looked very good like that we've obviously talked about it Derrick Henry's been struggling uh, here and there the offense has just absolutely nothing in the passing game and they're going to have to finish off their season Chargers Texans Cowboys Jags and, and those Cowboys in uh, the Cowboys game and the Jags game is going to be huge for their season because I-, I got a feeling the Cowboys might just kick the hell out of them, and the Jags look really good.
1: Yeah, the the Jags are they're they're coming off of that awesome win against the Titans. I I don't know it- the Cowboys. The Cowboys just need to not fall into the trap game. I feel like that like they usually do, but who knows? Jacksonville is really hot right now and the Cowboys always tend to kind of mess up against the um below 500 teams that are looking hot. So, I don't know. That'll be a half that'll be a we'll have to see game, I think. Sure.
0: Yeah. And, and so the Titans will probably end up winning the AFC South and taking that fourth spot um just because uh, I I don't see the Jags Fully turning it around and making it in. And then, obviously, uh, Colts aren't going to do it. And the the Texans are already eliminated. But um, after the Titans, you've got the Bengals, like we said. Um, I got a feeling they'll move up into the three. But we could see uh, a, a Ravens team that maybe has a little bit of fight in them could finish off the season well. So the Bengals will definitely make it. Uh, I said it a couple weeks ago. Uh, I've got the Bengals making the Super Bowl, and I still believe it. They're they're winning games that they should win, and they're winning the games that they need to win, and that's the most important thing.
1: Yeah, I mean they're they're five straight right now. They're they're looking fantastic. Um, I I don't know I don't know about Super Bowl though, I, and I feel like that's only because within their four losses, they they've had some losses in there that are just just bad losses in my opinion. Just with a the team, their they're caliber, they shouldn't be losing. And if they don't jump Baltimore and, they're, and they still make the playoffs, I feel like for the Bengals it'll come down to whether the game's home or away um, to give them that extra boost that they need for maybe some of like, the trap kind of playoff games. I don't know. I, I think it's between just kind of basic the Chiefs and the Bills. I just think they're too good to be stopped right now. Even though the Bengals did get a win over the Chiefs and Joe Burrow hasn't lost against the Chiefs, I feel like come playoff time, it'll it'll be time for Patrick Mahomes to step up at any will, if it's down to the Bengals and the Chiefs.
0: I don't know. I, I don't think that the Chiefs have it's crazy to say I don't think they have the offense. okay. It, it sounds ridiculous, okay. but yeah, you've got Pat Mahomes and you've got Travis Kelsey. Juju hasn't done shit. Isaiah Pacheco isn't uh an amazing running back. he He does his job pretty well. But he's not a game changer. And then just kind of across the board on that offense, your only playmakers are Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. And there's not a lot of teams with just a quarterback and a tight end that are going to win a
1: Super Bowl. Yeah, I no, I, I agree. It's just uh, they're 10-3, and three, man. I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, they we have not seen the Chiefs in the playoffs um, without Tyreek Hill, at least in the, the recent future, or the recent past. And, oh yeah, and I don't... It, it's just tough to say, because I agree with you. They're a 10-3 team, but their offense is really, really shaky. Uh, they don't really have a running back. Jarek McKinnon... You know he's a good pass playmaker, but they they don't have a true running back to alleviate the pressure off of Patrick Mahomes, and you know less targets to throw to than last season. But they've only lost three games, so I, I still take the Chiefs. I think out of the AFC, it, at least the Chiefs are the Bills for sure.
0: Yeah, I get that, and, and then I, I do have a gripe with the Bills. Um, me and Brock talk about it a lot. It you got to run the ball to be successful, and the Bills just can't run the ball right now. Outside of Josh Allen, they have no source of running. So if you want to get yourself into the situation where you can pass the ball to be successful, you got to set it up with the run, and I just don't think they do that well enough. I think that the Bengals have the most well-rounded offense, probably in the NFL, outside of maybe the Eagles. The Bengals have a bona fide superstar quarterback, Joe Burrow. He can throw the ball as good as anybody, and he can run. You got Jamar Chase, you got T. Higgins, you got Tyler Boyd. Like, th- there is some serious playmaking ability on this offense, and I didn't even talk about the run game. Joe Mixon is a phenomenal running back, and Samajé Pirine is a surprising, a surprisingly good second-string running back. He's very, very useful in the passing game. You can hit him on those little drop routes like... I think the Bengals sneakily have the best offense in the AFC.
1: I, on paper, I would agree with you, but not how they actually play. I, I feel like there are just some games where they just don't click correctly. And the Steelers have exposed Burrow a couple of times that they've played. them, I and a lot of people don't think the Steelers are that good, but... I don't know. burrow Burrow definitely has potential to struggle, and when he struggles, I think he completely brings the team down with him. But, um, yeah, they're they're loaded, completely loaded. They have an awesome quarterback, awesome wide receivers. And you know, like you said, P. Ryan, he stepped it up whenever he played the Steelers. Um, trust me, I know. So they have a formidable, you know, second string back. And obviously Joe Mixon can carry the load on his own. It's just whether or not he gets tired, really. So you're, I think on paper, yes, the Bengals do have a pretty well-rounded all offense, probably the best in the AFC, but I, I just cannot see them making it to the game, man.
0: Well, we'll have to see. Uh, next team we'll talk about, Miami Dolphins sitting there at the sixth spot. Um, I, I do think they'll end up making it in unless the Jets or Chargers really shine uh, in the remainder of this season. Uh, Dolphins obviously have a tough one this week, like we've talked about earlier. They're playing the Bills. Um, I I think they'll probably end up losing that one. It'll put them at eight and six. If the Chargers and the Jets pick up a win this week, they'll all be at eight and six. Uh, and that's not even talking about the number seven team, the Patriots. Uh, the Patriots are playing the Raiders. That's another team that, um, they look primed to beat. Uh, Belichick's got a good idea of what, uh, Josh McDaniel can do. So, um, this this nine through six is very interesting in the AFC.
1: I, I, I couldn't agree more. The Patriots, let's see. They play the Raiders, Bengals, Dolphins, and Bills to finish out. Uh, those last three are going to be really damn tough for them. I... Yeah, I, th- I feel like after seeing this, I the Dolphins will probably squeeze through, but who knows? I mean, Belichick is always he—he's a sneaky guy, and he's always a threat to play against. It's why he has statistically the worst quarterback in the league, and his team is over five hundred is because of Bill Belichick. Um, so yeah, I can see them. I can see the Patriots sneaking in, but that is a super super tough schedule.
0: Yeah, and it's going to be tough especially with the Chargers and Jets on their heels. Um, yeah, after hearing that remaining schedule, I do think the Patriots will end up getting out. But, um, yeah, it it opens up a spot for the Chargers or Jets, and that's where the conversation comes, is who do you think is really going to make the difference in these last couple of games?
1: Uh, and this one's tough, and I, I think it's tough for you. And it's crazy to think that the Jets are actually last in their division right now because they definitely do not play like it. Um, I would like I would like to see the Jets make it, but I feel like they have kind of set the tone for how the rest of their season will go. Uh, they're a very hungry team, but I I don't think they're going to make it in the playoffs this year. I, I I don't. I think it'll be the Chargers that take that seven spot.
0: Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I do think the Chargers will make it. I think the Chargers have. Uh, a little bit more of a complete team, especially when it comes to the offense. Obviously, we uh, we all know about what's going on with the Jets' offense, but with as many injuries and benchings and all of these problems going on with the Jets' offense, the fact that they're at 7-6 and six after, you know, they've been the laughingstock of the NFL since I can remember. So, it, it is extremely impressive that they've even made it here, and so seven wins for the Jets. If they lost the rest of the games this season, I think it's a win of a season for the I, Jets.
1: I completely agree. I mean, this team has been very impressive. If they even lost out for the rest of the season, yeah, it would be disappointing, but wow. I mean, they have, they were so, they have been so much fun to watch. You know, you had Brees Hall when he was healthy, who was so much fun, and Toss Gardner, who we will be hearing about his name forever. I, I think he is unstoppable. Sauce Gardner's awesome. Um, but something interesting that I wanted to bring up with you about the Jets is actually their, their running back situation is, is kind of strange to me right now. Obviously, you had Brees Hall. was uh, I don't think he was the main guy originally. I want to say that it may have started with Michael Carter, but he, Brees Hall obviously later took over, and he was awesome. Now that he's hurt, they traded for James Robinson, and at first I'm thinking, oh, they're fine. James Robinson is an awesome running back. They're they're seriously getting a good guy on top of Michael Carter, who's still there. Both of them have not been that great, and I feel like that's where we're seeing a lot of their struggles in recent games come up is because of those two running backs. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I, I think so. Um, what I see with the Jets, though, is that they still have guys. This is a very deep roster and it's kind of surprising to most because they've been so bad for the last couple of years, but it's really been up to drafts and the draft picks they've made are amazing. Zonovan Knight filled in last week and he was the rookie of the week in the AFC. Like they've got young guys on this team that can make a difference and a couple of them are rookies. And, I I think that maybe this year isn't the year that they make the playoffs. But I I think going forward that they're going to be a contender for years to come.
1: I I couldn't agree more. And I actually forgot about the night guy, which is really surprising. He must have been showing off, you know, big time in practice to take over the job from Michael Carter and uh, James Robinson, who are, you know, established running backs in the league. But yeah, he was very impressive.
0: Yeah, and, and like something crazy uh, I saw earlier today with the Jets is that they have had so many AFC Rookie of the Weeks. Week 14, Zonovan Knight. Week 13, Garrett Wilson. Week 12, Garrett Wilson. Week 9, Sauce Gardner. Week 8, Garrett Wilson. Week 7, Sauce Gardner. Week 6, Brees Hall. Week 5, Sauce Gardner. Week 4, Brees Hall. And week 2, Garrett Wilson. That's ridiculous
1: yeah there's a lot to be said about their uh their war room for that that's uh, has that even ever been done before that's gotta be something
0: uh, there's there's no way unless uh like one guy won it every week like justin herbert in twenty twenty took it home in week two week four week five seven eight nine 9, eleven and fifteen okay so that's a very impressive one for a single yeah. player but the fact that They've got Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, Sauce Gardner, and Zonovan Knight, four different rookies in one On season the winning Rookie yeah. of the Weeks. It's crazy. Yeah. It, it is a, a huge testament to the front office of the Jets. They they truly have uh, – they haven't completed the rebuild, but it is obviously in its final 100%, stages.
1: 100%. Um, I, I would give them – I would actually go as far as, say, two years. I don't even think next year, depending... Um, of course, it depends on how their draft goes, but I, I would give them one more year after next year. And they'll be, they'll be good. I
0: think they should draft a quarterback.
1: Yeah, I I agree with that. That seems like the one thing that kind of back a little bit.
0: Yeah, and this is a quarterback-heavy draft. Like, uh, I've expressed my hatred for Will Levis uh, multiple times, but he could... I think he's going to fall. I I don't understand Todd McShay putting him in the top 10 in his mock draft that came out this week. I I don't understand why Will Levis is all over the top 15 in these draft boards, but I I think that, you know, if the Jets have the opportunity to get Will Levis, go ahead and get him because it appears that, you know, the people that might know a little more about me than football or in football, they think that Will Levis is the guy and... If he's still available, when the Jets pick comes around, probably in the 15-20 the to 20 range, you got to hop on that.
1: I, I agree, and even if they draft Will Levis or any quarterback, they will be just another addition to kind of an already stacked quarterback room. Of course, none of the quarterbacks are standout, but Mike White. You know he's decent. Joe Flacco is a Super Bowl champion, and Zach Wilson was a former you know high draft pick. Uh, You know there's a lot to be said about Zach Wilson, but still he was still up there. He's still got talent. So I mean anybody that any quarterback is gonna you know sit behind in that uh, quarterback room, they're gonna learn a lot, and they're gonna be probably pretty well developed
0: as well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But uh we're, we're gonna stop meat riding the jets uh and and move on to the uh the Jags uh number 10 it I, I think that this team could be good in the future um I was very high on Travis Etienne after a couple of good performances this year. he's kind of uh, uh fell down a little bit uh, in these last few weeks, but I, I think that the Jags have a promising thing going with Trevor Lawrence and like Zay Jones. Christian Kirk. They've got some options in the receiving core, and I truly do think that Trevor Lawrence is becoming the quarterback we all thought he would. Be.
1: Yeah, I I agree. It, it's just for the Jags this season, at least. It's it's a little bit. It, it's just too late for them. I I feel like it because what's going to happen is they're probably going to lose one or two uh, of the last games, and they're going to be out. But they're they're pretty hot right now. I uh, and I don't know. It they definitely have the blueprint. I, I believe in the blueprint that they have there. Sure.
0: Yeah, they've got a good thing going. Uh, I think the problem is, is they traded away so many good defensive players while they were a bad team. They they lost Jalen Ramsey. Um, and they've had a lot of standouts on that defense that they've just given up for draft picks. And obviously those draft picks have helped them, but you do see the effects. They, they have a bad defense and, you know, they can make some signings in the offseason that could potentially put them maybe in one of those lower seeds in the playoffs in the next couple of years. I agree, and
1: uh, just another player to add to that um, trade list that you just had was Calais Campbell, who's now a Raven. He was a complete stud on the on their D-line whenever they were in the uh, AFC Championship game, and I think that was 2017. But, um, yeah, they they traded away a lot of their good defensive players when they were bad, and now it's hurting them. But, like I said earlier, they have the blueprint.
0: Yeah, for sure. And then um to to go down the rest of the list, uh Raiders, Browns, Steelers, Colts, and then uh Texans and Broncos are eliminated. Uh I, I do think that the Raiders have some good players. Uh I think that Josh McDaniel is a bad coach. And I don't think that Derek Carr is the best quarterback that they could have. Um but when you have Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs, your offense can kind of run itself.
1: Yeah, and especially with how Josh Jacobs has been playing lately.
0: Yeah, he's the league leader in rushing yards so far. And uh, uh, there's there's nothing in his way. Um, Devontae Adams is, of course, uh, I, I still think he's the best wide receiver in the league when it comes to all-around play. Uh, he's a deep threat. He can... Kill it on a screen, like, yeah, there's some guys that are better at some things than him, but when it comes to an all around wide receiver, he's definitely the best. I, the I couldn't
1: agree more. I think it's between him and D Hop for just all around talent wide receiver.
0: Interesting. See, D Hop isn't even really on my radar because he, you know, he had the PD suspension early this year. He's been hurt in the past. He he doesn't have a very good quarterback in, in, in Arizona. I, I love to talk shit about Kyler Murray because he's just simply uh, not yeah. good. <laughs> I agree. But I think that my – I'd probably give it a top three right now, and, and that would be um Devontae Adams at one. And then I, I kind of feel like Stephon Diggs – and Jamar Chase are like two A and two B, and they're both good at different things, and that's why Devontae has the edge over both of them.
1: Yeah, I, I I like that. I I don't know. I'm not I'm not kind of I'm not really buying into Jamar Chase just yet. And of course, th- this is coming from a Steelers fan too, so you guys can just you know turn off your ears if you want to. But I to me, he's just kind of one of those guys where he's just really good at getting open, and that's really it. I, I don't really see him making a lot of contested catches. I don't really see him being that clutch, showing up in big games. He he's just kind of he's got some talent and I think he probably will be in my top three eventually. I'm not I'm not denying that he's probably going to be one of the best wide receivers in the league. If not, he already is already, but I he would not make my top three for sure.
0: Gotcha. I, I don't know. I, I think that you kind of pointed it out yourself. He's very good at getting open. And it doesn't matter if you can't make a contested catch because there's nobody contesting you.
1: That, that is very true, but I, I, I thought with our top three, we were talking about kind of well-rounded players. I, I would like to see maybe more jump balls thrown to Jamar Chase before I put him in my top three.
0: Also, I just realized that I forgot Justin Jefferson exists, so he's my number two. The other two can move down to three.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah, he's, uh, Justin Jefferson is the Jerry Rice of our uh, generation.
2: Yeah. Whoa. I I, I don't think it is.
1: I I really don't think it is. Of course, he's young. So maybe that that's kind of where the hot part of the take lies is that he's young. Now, this dude, he's crazy. I've actually been fortunate to watch a lot of Vikings games this year, weirdly enough. And he on third down, he's always making plays. It does not seem like a single game plan. Has worked against him, except for whatever the hell happened against when uh, when they played the Cowboys. That was a completely fluke game, in my opinion. I still have no idea what happened to the Vikings there, but I, I Grayson, this entire season have not seen any team game plan Justin Jefferson and been able to stop him.
0: Yeah, we talked about it earlier. How um, last week he was just having his way; they just couldn't really score any touchdowns. Like he had. Uh, the, he set the franchise record for receiving yeah, yards in a game. Yeah, and you're going
1: against guys like Chris for the Carter, Vikings. you know, played at the Vikings on one time.
0: Yeah, Chris Carter. Uh you're kind of forgetting one here.
1: Oh, uh, who am I forgetting?
0: Randy Moss. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's a good one to forget. <laughs> yeah, Randy Moss.
0: <laughs> like Randy Moss and, and Chris Carter are your competition for the most receiving yards in a game, and you just beat that in what his third year in the league
1: yeah that that's very impressive and you know uh did randy moss who is randy moss's quarterback in minnesota
2: Wolf.
0: um let's see
1: that would be kind of interesting to know same with chris carter too
0: yeah i'm sure there's people listening that would be like why do you guys not know this well i wasn't alive um let's
2: see randall cunningham okay for a little while. Um, let's see, any others? Well, Chris Carter played with nine of them. Yeah. Um, Jeff George...
1: Dang, that I that I so kind of mm-hmm. looking at the list for Chris Carter here. It it's pretty impressive that Justin Jefferson was able to do it with Kirk Cousins, who Kirk Cousins is very decent in my opinion. He's definitely pretty good, but not one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But yeah, Chris Carter had the likes of Warren Moon, Randall Cunningham, Dante Culpepper. Those are kind of the three notable ones I'm looking at. Rich Gannon, also for a little while.
0: Yeah and Randy Moss had uh, a couple of those guys as well. They played at a, a, a similar time. But um yeah, it, it's very impressive what Justin Jefferson's doing and yeah, he's most definitely uh the future of the NFL. Uh we'll we'll finish up with these last three teams. Um the Browns, um Deshaun just isn't uh, he doesn't even seem like he's a part of the team yet. Like there's something missing there.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I'm not too sure who his first game was. It was against the Texans. Yeah, his first game back was against the Texans, yes. and I'm, I'm pretty sure he didn't even throw a touchdown. Um, And I, I think the Browns had a couple of – or maybe one defensive touchdown that helped him out. But, yeah, I, I completely agree. It's I thought that him coming back would have been a way bigger deal because on, on first notice I thought he'd play better against the Texans. Second note is, you know, the whole allegations and all the controversy surrounding him, but I honestly sometimes forget that he's back.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I'm not really sure what it's going to take for him to shine with the Browns. Obviously, you know, they they put up a lot for him, so it, it's going to take a lot. And obviously, they have Nick Chubb, and he's kind of been the offense Um with Jacoby Brissett uh, earlier in the season. But, you know, now you have a guy who has made a Pro Bowl. Like, he he was a finalist for MVP. And it's going to change how Nick Chubb plays, and it's going to completely change how Cleveland plays in the future. So I'm very interested to see how this goes. I think Deshaun needs a full offseason with this team. Uh, before we can really make any adjustments on, I judgments also think
1: him. Um, the Browns have a couple decent tight ends. I like David Njoku and Austin Hooper. You know, he obviously hasn't been able to rekindle that season that he had with Atlanta, but he's still, you know, he's still a decent tight end. I I think the Browns should draft wide receiver this year. I I really thought Peoples Jones would have been. I kind of thought him is in the same spot of um, as Alan Lazard a little bit. Is that they both were given opportunities with. Departures from other people at their position to step up, but they really, they they really haven't. I mean, both of them look good, but they have not became wide receiver ones. And I think that would help out Deshaun Watson a lot is if he had a stud at you know wide receiver.
2: Yeah, and what's tough
0: with this is that the Browns gave up their first round pick. Yeah, so they don't have a first round pick this year. And they're gonna have to be looking in the um I, I believe they do have their second round. So it, it's gonna be a little bit tougher to get a wide receiver because there's a couple of guys in this draft that are probably gonna go in the first round, and it's not a really wide receiver heavy draft. So like you've got Quentin Johnston coming out of TCU, he's gonna go in the first round, Jordan Addison, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Zay Flowers, like those guys are all gonna go in the first round. So it's going to be pretty tough for the Browns to find a guy. Maybe they look towards free agency. Um, There will probably be a couple guys available there that can make a difference. But if you're the Browns, you've got the running back. You've got the quarterback. It's just about finding the guys to put around them. And the Browns are going to have to throw out some money if they want to be, be as successful as they have been uh, with the past couple of years with Baker, I know they weren't the best team, but they made the playoffs and they they won a a good amount of games every year. So yeah, like I said, they're they're gonna have to yeah, put up a lot. Yeah, I
1: definitely agree. Is it's with the whole um, you know notion of them not having a first round draft pick? Is it looks like that's what's gonna come down to. But who knows? Maybe they'll maybe they'll jump on you know the hottest free agent target that happens to be a wide receiver and splash some cash on them. But I don't know. Maybe we'll see a little bit more. Um, of an apprehensive Browns uh, general manager and kind of front office decision making when it comes to giving wide receivers money because of what happened with Odell. And, you know, Jarvis Landry also doesn't play on that team anymore. they They really haven't been very lucky with wide receivers in the past. You had Josh Gordon getting arrested. and then, the you know as I stated the whole thing with Odell and Jarvis Landry is they haven't really been able to keep guys around in that position but I think now it's time for them to do that because they would be a pretty decent team if they had a wide receiver in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and, and like they have Amari Cooper, but he hasn't had the impact that people thought he would. So it it makes it a lot tougher on them when you've got one great wide receiver and and not much else around him.
1: Yeah. Um completely forgot about Amari Cooper actually. Wow. Um yeah, he's been pretty quiet this year. Uh I think that kind of goes along with what you said earlier is he needs an off-season with Amari Cooper to form that quarterback wide receiver bond.
0: Yeah, for sure. But um let's uh before we move on uh from the NFL, uh we just hit halftime in the Thursday Night Football game, Seahawks uh 49ers. Uh, it, it is, I believe, yeah, 14 to 3 going into the half. uh Brock Purdy looks and pretty Christian darn McCaffrey good. Christian McCaffrey looks um, absolutely
1: amazing. Just ask my fantasy team. <laughs> oh, wow. That's
0: yeah, nice. he's having a good one. So is Kittle. Kittle's doing pretty good as well. He's got a receiving touchdown. So, yeah, the, it looks like the 49ers are just going to keep rolling. And it also looks like DK Metcalf and Jimmy Ward might <laughs> beat the shit out of each other by the end of this Man, game. Man,
1: DK, he's always fighting whoever he's uh, he's covering. But um, and that's usually what happens if you have a big personality that also draws, you know, big-time personalities to cover him. I mean, that's what's going to happen. It's It's very impressive to see how Purdy's played in that stadium, though. That's a very hard stadium to go and play in. And I would imagine so. You know, if you're a quarterback trying to call plays and everything, you know, they always talk about the 12th man. So he he looks good. That's good for him.
0: Yeah. and, And also that, uh, that forced fumble, um, by, uh, by who was it? Um, I can't remember who it was, but that forced fumble was huge. Um, right before the half ended, um, they wrap up they uh they wrapped up um who was it who lost it uh Travis Horner that's right they wrapped up Travis Horner and he just like the ball just got launched out of his hands he got completely like mailboxed and they they took it down got him a good field position and um yeah obviously paid off but yeah, uh, I, I got a feeling the 49ers too, are going to take it. And that's
1: just, that's just what the 49ers do is their, their defense, not only is it hard to just drive down the field against them, but they're also going to make you um, – they're also going to force turnovers that are just crushing blows to confidence, momentum, and all, all the stuff that comes with that. So, I mean, this Niners defense is definitely a, a Super Bowl defense for sure.
0: Yeah, and um, we will – Kind of check in with that um, once we get towards the end of this episode, but um, we're going to move on from the NFL. um, And one of the big things that Luke said at the beginning is that he knows about soccer and I I love soccer. It's like a guilty pleasure of mine. So we're going to talk some World Cup, uh, just preview uh, the third place match in the final uh, for the World Cup. So what is your first thoughts with Croatia versus Morocco well, for third Well, these place? are two
1: teams kind of in the similar boat. I, I know Croatia made it to the final last year, but I still put them in that boat of underdog. I, I really do, which I is kind of a hot take, especially with them making it this far um, this year. But they're just not one of your typical big countries that will do well in a World Cup setting. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think Morocco takes it i i really do they're they're playing for pride here i think they're pissed off that they couldn't at least make it to the final and i think morocco will come in with way more heart than croatia will i really do
0: yeah i, I do think this game means a lot more to morocco i think croatia had higher hopes especially coming off of 2018 but um yeah morocco's been so good and like Hakim Ziyech has played pretty well. Obviously, Hakimi's been very good. But um a lot of surprises with this Morocco team and um it's really going to help a couple of these guys stocks when it comes to the now, winter transfer is, which window. Which is
1: really interesting to see, especially with the World Cup not being in the summer is this actually is something I haven't even thought about before is this January transfer window could be way bigger than it ever has because of this World Cup because with the World Cup also comes the summer transfer window every time you always have these young players who were scouted at the world cup that are going to go to a top league and who knows maybe in january it's only a month but i'm sure teams will be trying to pack in some transfers to help themselves out
0: yeah we we see it every year i think the the most notable uh to my knowledge that i remember was uh 2014 james rodriguez moving to real madrid after the world okay, cup
1: yeah i i actually have another um, one from that world cup uh keylor navez was not at real madrid yeah. whenever he played in that world cup he was signed that summer yeah and he had a great world cup for costa rica that year
2: yeah but um yeah i think morocco
0: it it, it like i said it means a lot more um so who do you, you said you're yeah, going to take Morocco in this one? Just to your
1: point, I, 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 you, you put it perfectly. Is it means more to them? Croatia, you know, with I feel like their standards were already high with how they played in the last World Cup in Russia. Morocco, you know, still got a lot to play for, I think. And and third place, you know, for Morocco at a World Cup would be awesome. I mean, this is their golden era for sure with Hakimi and Ziyech. So I, I think they have just way more to play for, and I feel like it'll carry them.
2: Yep, and uh, can I get a final score prediction out of you? Ooh.
1: Do nothing. I, I really, I, I think Croatia just wants to go home at this point, honestly, and I, I'm not trying to dog on their pride. It, it is the World Cup, and it's one of the biggest deals in the world to these players, but at the end of the day, it's a third-place game.
2: Fair. I, I'm going to take, uh... oh...
0: I I was thinking of taking Croatia. But with... Uh, I don't know. Uh, see, they played earlier in the World Cup and they drew. It makes me want to think they're going to go to overtime. But... I think I'm going to go... I think I'm going to go Morocco 2-1.
1: 2-1. I like it. I like it.
0: 2-1. Alright, and then... We move on to the World Cup final. France, oh, man. Argentina. And the, these are the two most well-rounded teams in this I tournament. I disagree with you.
1: 100%. Yeah, I, I think really? Argentina is still a top-heavy team. Like, they have been my entire life. They have an awesome goalie, uh, and their defense has played well. But I, I still think, I, I'm telling you, France will expose them. I, I think if France scores early... I don't I don't know if Argentina has it in them to catch back up. I think Argentina has to score first to win this game, unfortunately, because I do not want the French to win.
0: Dude, I don't know. I feel like Argentina has a, a great, great team top to bottom. Like, obviously, you know, Messi is the star, but Julian Alvarez has been amazing and, like, Tagliafico on the end or uh, um, playing fullback. Uh, Martinez is obviously a great goalkeeper, but I really do think they've got a great. I, team. I
1: definitely agree they they have some they have some big name players and they have Otamendi, the Otamindi, sorry the veteran who's been there forever so he he's seen it all. But I I don't think it's going to be enough to stop the Frenchman. I Mbappe Mbappe is on pace right now to beat um, Pele's like I feel like it's under. 24 years of age uh, World Cup goal record or, or something like that. I don't remember what the statistic actually is, but Mbappe will have at least two this game, I think. Yeah.
2: Okay, so obviously you're taking yes. France.
0: And so that kind of leads to my next question that, you know, yeah, that kind of answers. Do you think that Messi is going to fall short again? Unfortunately, in World yes. Cup final
1: if he had a more favorable matchup Maybe, maybe, um, Morocco beat France somehow. I, I think it's Messi's world cup, but man, it, it would be a special story if Messi was to beat France, but I, I don't think he will. I do not think he will.
2: Interesting. So
0: because you think French, uh, France is going to win, um, you already kind of talked about Mbappe, but who do you think is truly going to lead the way, uh, in such a star studded um, French side?
1: That's a good question, and I think I'm going to go bold here. Obviously, I've said Mbappe with two goals. I think it's going to be Hugo Lloris, and that's because I think Argentina will definitely put up an offense against France. I don't think Argentina is going to get walked all over in this World Cup, or in the final at least. I really don't. But it's going to take some incredible saves from Hugo Lloris to keep Messi out of goal, to keep all of Argentina's strikers out of goal for France to win.
2: Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and just give my prediction. Um, I think Argentina
0: in pens. I think it'll be 1-1 throughout um, full-time and extra time, and they'll go to pens,
2: and Argentina will come out with it.
1: (laughs)
0: Yeah, <laughs> man, I'm not kidding. That I, I was just
1: asking because he <laughs> Messi has shown some not clutch moments in Argentina in recent years.
0: Fair enough, but he, he
1: did, did make his pen in the last game. I, I was very happy to see that.
2: Oh, George
0: Kittle just scored another touchdown.
1: Did he really? It sucks that I'm, yeah. my game's behind your game, but yeah, George Kittle's been awfully quiet this year.
0: Yeah, this is his uh, this is his game because now Debo's out. Wow.
1: Well, um I, I guess I will give my score prediction now. I think it'll be France three one. They'll win in uh, in uh, regular time. I think Mbappe will score twice. You got I, any predictions I, on Mbappe goal twice? Oh, okay. Uh, Who's
0: going to score that third? I don't.
1: I don't know who will score the third. I, I feel like the third might come off of a set piece, but Mbappe gotcha. will score an open play twice. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right, in, in my score predictions, um, Olivia Giroux and uh, Julian okay. Alvarez.
1: I, I like that. So no Messi, time. no Messi goal.
0: No, I, I, Messi will probably get the assist.
1: Okay, gotcha. I, I actually, speaking of Messi, I, I saw an interesting take today from another podcast actually that I follow on Instagram, um, and one of the guys on the podcast said that Messi's World Cup this year in Qatar. Is better than 2014, and I—I'm be honest, I couldn't disagree more.
0: Ooh. Yeah, no, I think he was like easily the best yeah, player that, in the 2014 World Cup. Yeah, that's the
1: best World single Cup. player um, tournament like performances I've ever seen. And I—I don't see how Messi is really—he's definitely been awesome uh, for Argentina this World Cup. But in 2014, he was different for sure.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like he had much more control over what like everything that happened on the field. Of course, 5 goals and 3 assists is an outstanding performance so far. But I think when it came to that 2014 World Cup, he was extremely dominant. He just got unlucky um in that final against Germany. Germany was a yeah. very good team that year. They had a lot and They of they talent. put
1: 7 past the home team. crushed them. I mean that that's uh that's a lot of goals for a yeah. World Cup and it's especially a lot of goals against Brazil in Brazil. I mean that all time, you know, one of the most important games ever in soccer, really. But yeah, Germany Germany was just no match, uh or Argentina was no match for the Germans on in uh, twenty fourteen. But I like I said, Messi Messi was way better in twenty fourteen in my opinion, for sure.
0: Yeah, man. Think about that 2014 World Cup just makes me think what happened to oh, Mario Gutze.
1: Yeah, he, uh, let's see. I think that summer, <laughs> actually, a transfer we didn't talk about, and this is kind of just going off of memory. I, I want to say it yeah. was that summer he moved to Bayern Munich or a couple summers after, but he completely flopped at Bayern Munich. And then when he came back to Dortmund, he just wasn't the same player. It's pretty sad.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was that summer. Um, was that also the same year that uh oh it was that's when tony cruz went wow. to real madrid
1: yeah we we missed a couple big transfers but yeah i didn't think of that that's another one
2: yeah that that was
0: quite a world cup for transfers i feel like i can't remember any from 2018
1: no not really the 2018 world cup was pretty bad though in my opinion uh it it wasn't really as exciting as this one for sure
0: yeah Yeah, I I feel like it was harder to follow along with. And uh, something we talked about before we started recording with the World Cup was that it being in November and December is that, you know, we're both college kids. We've got things going on. It's hard to keep up with. But I feel like this one's been more exciting. There's been so much media coverage when it comes to an international standpoint. And I think that all relies on the fact that the men's national team made it and, like, they I, actually I will looked kind of good.
1: I, this is something that I'll remember until the day I die. I will never forget looking at my fucking Instagram feed after the United States went one nothing up against Wales. It was – I don't know if you can attest to this, but it was like we had won the fucking World Cup. The fact that the United States, who missed out in Russia in 2018 – was finally back. Had so much hype and question, you know, question marks surrounding the team. Went one nothing up against Gareth Bale's team. And I thought that was a really special moment for. Yeah, Mark and it's like
0: <laughs> it, it was special for us. It, but if you're somebody who's been paying attention to soccer, yeah, Wales sucks. Like they talked about it. The last guy before Timothy Weah to score a goal on Wales. Was Pele when he was 17 years old. Like, Wales has sucked for a long time. But honestly, I think that the England game was better than the Wales one. And like, even if we would have beaten Wales, drawing England nil nil.
1: And not only was drawing, huge also having for the US against fans. England. It wasn't like we just parked the bus and got peppered with shots the entire game. We we attacked back and actually had you know chances to score. It, it was crazy.
2: Yeah, and, and
0: I think that Pulisic's performance in this World Cup was great. Um, I think Tyler Adams shined. Um, he was the captain of the team. He didn't have like. A, a huge goal scoring impact at all uh, when it, when it comes to assists or goals, but you could see his leadership on the field. And that is extremely and, promising and top from of such that a young is, I'm
1: sure you remember that Iranian journalist that like asked the dumbest fucking question of all time, trying to corner him into saying some bad response. And he handled it perfectly at, at, at just 23 years old. He's already going in front of the media and completely shutting down you know, bullshit questions, and he didn't even get mad at the journalist for asking the way he did. He just articulated his way through it beautifully, uh, like a leader should. And uh, that's what the United States need right now. I feel like is is a, just a Tyler Adams on the team, which we have, and who knows what he'll look like once he's you know more developed because he's still young.
0: Yeah, we need leadership, and we need a center and back that's better than a big thing walkers with the United and
1: States, and this is coming from an Atlanta United fan, is we did not have Miles Robinson, who was having a tremendous MLS season before he tore his Achilles. Yes,
2: yeah, Miles Robinson amazing. I would have really liked to amazing. see him
1: in uh, Qatar, but unfortunately, he missed
2: out. But
0: um. Is there any any big moments uh, outside of like what we just talked about with the U.S. Uh, from this oh, World man. Cup that really <clears throat> stood out to you?
1: Oh, well, we've already kind of covered Morocco and how crazy they were. I they were. I would say I would say Ronaldo being benched was probably a really big, really big moment for Portugal and just just the world the world of football in general.
0: Yeah, like that was huge. And I think that, you know, my biggest or one of my favorite moments kind of rides off the back of him being benched, and that's Gonzalo Ramos's hat trick in the round of sixteen against Switzerland. Like you like Ronaldo just got sat for you. You are starting over Cristiano Ronaldo, one of the greatest players of all time. And you stepped up in on the biggest stage. Obviously, it's not the final. You're in the knockout rounds of the World Cup. Like, this is the biggest stage in international soccer. And Gonzalo Ramos stood, I couldn't uh, agree more.
1: Um, I, I will say, though, the contrary to that was I'm pretty sure Ronaldo was actually benched. Yeah, he was benched against um Morocco the next game, obviously, because they had a hat trick. But, yep. man, I... I don't know. I cannot help but think that that decision is very loud against Morocco. And loud as in that's very controversial. Um, the fact that they bench Ronaldo again. But at the same time, going back to what I said, is he literally is coming off the hat trick. So why would you not start him? But Portugal put up no goals. And, and Ronaldo was subbed in, but it's, it's always different for yeah. subs. It's always different for subs. It's harder. And I don't know. I, I feel like It is. It's hard to get it going. Regardless of Ramos uh, scoring a hat trick, this is the bottom line. You benched Ronaldo in a quarterfinal game, granted against Morocco, which maybe even by the quarterfinals, people were still doubting them. You still benched Cristiano Ronaldo and your team didn't score. So I I feel like that's a pretty pretty big decision. What do you think?
2: Yeah, no, I
0: agree. And I I think uh, the other kind of weird part about that is how they did the substitutions because they brought in um they brought in Ronaldo in the 51st minute for Ruben Neves so Gonzalo Ramos was still playing striker and Ronaldo kind of forced himself into like a false nine and Never has that's to. just not what Ronaldo does
2: Yeah, and, and like it, it just
0: really confused me. And then, obviously, he kind of moved into the striker position once they brought in layout for uh, Gonzalo Ramos, but you just didn't give him enough time. Obviously, you brought in Ronaldo for the fo- almost the whole second half, but he wasn't in his position. Look, Ronaldo, his entire career has been based off of speed and strength and physicality, and I know he's getting old, and he's losing those abilities. But you still gotta feed him. Yeah,
1: I really have nothing else to add to that. Is Ronaldo just needs to be fed? He, I feel like Ronaldo has adapted his game very well. um, As you know, he's getting slower. He's not as fast of a dribbler. um, His skills have kind kind of got away, but he still has that physical presence. So. I feel like Ronaldo has done a good job of kind of altering his play style in club football to kind of become more of like a standstill just finisher because you can't take away his finishing. I mean, header, left foot, right foot, you name it, he can do it. And I don't know, a false nine... Where, where the striker drops back into kind of like a cam role, almost a center attacking mid, that's not Ronaldo. He's never been a playmaker. Of course, you're going to not score if Ronaldo's in a false nine, even when he's Cristiano Ronaldo. And I, I feel like dropping him into the false nine kind of, kind of role really takes away from what he has formed his um, play style to be in his later stage of his career. And they... I I don't know, Portugal... I I think Portugal lost this game, tactically. 100%.
0: Yeah, no, I I think that one... I I think it falls on the manager. And it it just was bad. Like, Portugal had 73% of the possession in that game.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's... That's amazing, and no goals to show for it, too.
0: Yeah, and, like, you've got to do something with that. Like, you've got some, and, and like, they made the, uh, I believe, yeah, they started, um, who was it, uh, they, they didn't start, uh, Paulina, they didn't start Carvalho, like, there was some weird spots on this team where I was a little bit confused about how they made this lineup for the Morocco game, because it was a, a, a bit different from what we I saw in more the prior and, matches. And
1: one notable, um... Uh, benching that i just noticed is uh João Cancelo sat for um a lot which is egregious <laughs> in my opinion and rafael liao who is absolutely torn it up for ac milan is also on the bench but i mean the attack for portugal is loaded but um yeah i mean they like i said is is the manager had come off of a tactical you know masterpiece um in the uh, the game previously, but in this game, it just seems like they they just kind of fumbled it. They really didn't have a sure tactic of what to do, especially in the second half when they started making their substitutions.
0: Yeah, and, and then like, look, I know that Bruno Fernandez can play on the left, but I, I feel like if anything, he should have been starting in either uh, a a cam or false nine spot. Rather than playing on the left, I feel like you should have I, put I Bernardo Silva more on the is, left.
1: Um, you're putting,
0: or sorry, or, or, uh, they were on the right. Uh, I was mixed up. I was looking you're, at it backwards. You're kind of but taking but away
1: uh, Fernandez's playing ability, putting him out on the wing. I believe he needs to be in the center where he can kind of control more.
0: Yeah, and like he's got the ability to make a shot from outside the box. So what's happening is you're cutting off all of your crossing ability on the right side because Bruno naturally is going to cut yeah, in towards the box. I, I
1: agree. I agree with that.
2: I think what, what killed
0: Portugal, and you, you just said it earlier, it, it was tactics and the the way that they played these matches... Just wasn't to their full ability. Yeah, I,
1: and it it obviously it seems like with the whole tactics thing is they completely underestimated the Moroccans, which a lot of people did. But it's the quarterfinals of the World Cup. You should not be underestimating anybody. I mean, if you're in a World Cup quarterfinal, you're there for a reason.
0: Yes, and and, and yeah, they they surely fell short. They they should have been better. They had a a, a great team. Uh, an, another team that probably should have been better was Brazil. They, they looked great in the group stages. They look great round one, and then
1: yeah, they, they were lose actually um my favorites to win the entire thing, and I don't think that's a very far fetched thing to say um at all. But um yeah, I'm I'm very surprised that it only stayed at one goal for them against Croatia. Very surprised. And then the whole penalty taking situation is I I'm not too yeah, sure off they, the top of my head, but I want to say that, um, Brazil had an abnormally amount of their, they had a lot of young guys taking the penalties and that's really never a good sign. No matter how talented the young player is, is taking a penalty in the world cup.
0: Yeah. Like their, their penalty setup went, um, Rodrigo, Casemiro, Pedro and Marquinhos. And like, I I feel like they had more talent there yeah, and I couldn't agree more, and
1: especially Rodrigo. I mean, he's been amazing at Real Madrid, but he he doesn't need to be taking a penalty there. I mean, bless him. He's, he's that young, put in that situation. And I mean, props to Brazil for believing in him and thinking that he was ready, but I mean, it's the World Cup, you can't mess up. And I, I don't think he should take a penalty yet.
0: Yeah, well, and it also hurt them because what happened earlier in the game is they subbed off. A a good amount of their penalty scores. They they subbed off Vinny for Rodrigo. They subbed out Richarlison for Pedro, and I, I just feel like when it came down to it, obviously those those substitutions happened before they knew they were going to be going to penalties. But still, it 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 ended up hurting them in the long run. And also, I, I would assume that Neymar was probably reserved to go fifth. Um, but. He should have been, You he should have as, taken a penalty I, I get situation.
1: It. You know, a, a lot of people, especially in the World Cup, I, I feel like a lot of soccer players probably wouldn't want to be put in this situation, no matter how confident or good they think they are. Um, and Neymar, see, that that first penalty, whoever takes that first penalty, it is such a big deal because you almost kind of set the tone for how it's going to go. And I feel like Neymar needs to take that first penalty, especially if Rodrigo is going to be involved because I mean, I'm sure Rodrigo, you know, idolizes Neymar. It's nice to see Neymar, you know, take a penalty and score before he went up to take a penalty. And, yeah, I, I get, you know, having your best penalty taker taking the fifth penalty, Um, but at the same time, is, I feel like you just got to go first, man. You got to go first and set the tone for the rest of your team.
0: Yeah, and I think the the shining part of this Brazil team, even though they they were scoring uh, a a decent amount, was the defense. Um, They didn't let up more than one goal in in any match uh, outside of, obviously, the penalty kicks uh, against Croatia, but Thiago Silva and Marquinhos have uh, a connection that goes back to PSG and and they've been playing alongside each other for a, a good amount of years as the starters for Brazil. And that defense looked solid. Like they they gave up what three goals it, it, in the it's entire very impressive, tournament? And Especially That's coming wild. from a
1: Chelsea fan. Tiago Silva is a living legend. Um we we should be watching every minute of Tiago Silva, uh Tiago Silva's defense and until he's done because that guy, not a lot of people are giving him enough media attention, I think. Is he is a stud at 38 years old. It, it's amazing to watch. I love Tiago Silva.
0: Yeah, I, I I do question uh, one part of the defense, which is Eder Militao starting at right back. Uh, I think that's a little interesting. When it, When I was thinking of what this Brazil team would look like, I thought they would run three at the back with Silva, Marquinhos, and Militao. But, yeah, um, it is very strange to hear, hear that
1: Militao way. was played at right back because I don't think he does that for Real Madrid. And I want to say the last time he played fullback regularly was in his Porto days. So he is long gone from being a fullback, and that that is very questionable.
2: Yeah, but you know we can
0: we can have questions about this Brazil lineup for for ages because there's just so much talent that you could play anybody anywhere and they'd get it done. Um, do you have any other big moments? um
1: oh, man. From this World Cup. Um. Actually, yeah, uh, Mexico not going through, not making it through uh, their group stage. What do you think about that, Grayson?
0: It's crazy. Look, growing up in the United States um, and kind of becoming a soccer fan later in my life, um, a lot of the national team attention was on Mexico. A a lot of the people that um, paid attention to soccer that were around me... Um, weren't really fans of the U.S. men's national team. So I, I've always paid attention a lot to Mexico's national team. And, like, what? Well, this is, like, the first time they didn't make it out of the group stage.
1: I don't know the, in the World exact Cup. statistic on that, but it, it's definitely been a while, I would assume, for them.
0: Yeah, and, like, they've had, like, legendary games in, in the World Cup. Like, uh, Ochoa no, in 2014. That was, uh,
1: that's the that's the flop.
0: Yes, robbins
1: flop. Oh man, that that flop was uh, that that ended a very good Mexico team in that tournament. But yeah, this year was. Um, this year was super strange. You know, there already kind of was a group of death because you had a Saudi team that was highly underrated, in my opinion. They, they were one of those teams, kind of like Morocco, going through a just rare generational wave of talent. Is A lot of guys from that Saudi team were studs in the Saudi league, and they, they proved it. I mean, they beat Argentina, which was a – Another moment that we can go more in-depth about, but that Saudi team was really good. On top of Saudi Arabia, you obviously had Lionel Messi in Argentina and Poland who were going through one of their generational teams. But I still expected Mexico to go through, and they just kind of didn't really deliver. And and it came down to them because you had Argentina that walked all over Poland, and it was up to Mexico against Saudi Arabia, and then Saudi Arabia gets a last-second goal and knocks them out. I mean, it was in Mexico's hands, and they they fumbled it.
0: Yeah, and and, uh, I guess the last uh, two things that I I didn't even think about us talking about um, Group E, the way that that one finished with Japan taking that group, uh, Spain coming in second, and then Germany missing out.
1: Oh man, yeah, is uh, wild to me. I really thought Japan were gonna fumble it because I'm pretty sure they benched a lot of their players against Costa Rica, and they ended up losing that game. But they still have, somehow still end up making it through there. Um, and, and yeah, Germany, I, I really, I have no words for Germany. I, I have no idea what went wrong. Um, it just didn't really look that great.
0: Yeah, I, I think with Germany is like they had a couple of guys that have developed over the years, especially since that 2014 team but they still have guys in their lineup from that 2014 team that are just kind of getting up there in age. And they seem to be guys that probably should have moved on from at this point. Uh, I I get that Thomas Muller is still a a great player, but he's on the older side and and obviously Manuel Neuer is uh, an outstanding keeper, but it, it obviously just wasn't working. And, like they have great young players. Leon Goretzko is amazing. Kimmich is amazing. But like Nikola Sul is starting a center back for this this squad. And, and yeah, it's and I mean
1: he does play at Bayern, but he he's not he's not a crazy talented center back. Uh, especially if you think of him among the other center backs in this World Cup, is he he's just not up there.
0: Yeah, I, I had a lot of questions and. I'm surprised that Mario Götze is even on this squad. I feel like there's so much more talented players. Um, the fact that he's even getting subbed in is surprising. But, like, yes, there is talent across this lineup. It, it just doesn't seem yeah, to be cohesive. I couldn't agree
1: more. Um, I, I really have nothing else to add. Is it, It's just very strange what happened to Germany. And it, it seemed like kind of with what um you said going back earlier is they had a lot of older guys like Cruz and Manuel Neuer and there isn't really much young talent to fill to fill those gaps I, I feel like there's just not enough of it there's definitely some of it with Kimmich like you mentioned but there's just not enough of it yet
0: yeah and, and like having Leroy Sané and Serge Nabry, like those guys are really good players but you know Bayern Munich as a team maybe could have won the World Cup, but some of those guys are the weak links on that Bayern lineup. So, yeah, I, I think that um, in these next four years, I think Germany will completely change um, when it comes to the next World Cup roster. I got a feeling Manuel Neuer won't be there um, for the next World Cup. I got a feeling muller won't be there. And there, there's a lot of young German players that are going to get a shot. Yeah, I, I think and it'll I'm be one of those where
1: that'll kind of be like a, a big media uh, talk point going into the World Cup is that Germany may not have a lot of those guys who won in 2014. But, you know, that, that can be pretty good or bad. Is it, it creates a pretty good story for the young guys if they can show up. And if they don't show up, then it's just a rebuild year.
0: Yeah, and, and then obviously Spain. Um, we got to talk about them because they struggled. And they're a team that is rather young. And so, obviously, it it comes down to experience with them. But they they played great. It, it just seemed like they didn't do I I agree. Is it,
1: is Spain is a very young team. And I, I want to say the World Cup kind of shocked them a little bit. I, I feel like they were one of the teams that... They were young but talented, and they just weren't ready for the task of, you know, handling the, the gravity of the World Cup.
2: Yeah, uh, like, they
0: have the the amazing young talent, like Pedri, um, Marcos Llorente, Gavi, like, there is a lot of great talent. It, it just seems like this isn't it's star-studded of a Spain team as we've seen like in how you prior said, uh, World Cups.
1: Llorente. that was nice.
0: Yeah, man. Hey, man. <laughs> I took five Spanish classes. Oh, in my man! Life. But I yeah, got...
1: Spain is going to be one of those teams that they will be much bigger and better um, next World Cup with all those young guys that you've mentioned, more developed and more accustomed to the big game moments of you know the World Cup.
2: also
0: ansufati should be starting
1: that's i that's kind of bold um going off of what i went you know just kind of went off of is i i think he's one of those that would have been too young um but if you're struggling play him i that that's kind of my my idea with uh Patti. exactly it's yeah. not going to help no, if he's just sitting on the
0: exactly. bench and, and like i feel like england has done a good job of that of of playing the young guys like Bukayo Saka got a ton of experience from the Euros, and then going into this World Cup, he was a great player I couldn't for agree that you squad. Were,
1: England were one of those teams that and, they they had a lot of young guys in 2018, um, and, and I feel like a lot of it has to do with Frank Lampard at Chelsea. I mean he gave he gave us Tammy Abraham and Mason Mount, which I know Tammy Abraham isn't necessarily you know a starter on the England national team, but the English players, there there were a lot of them that were young, and Frank Lampard put some of them on the map. Rhys James being one of them who sadly didn't play in this World Cup. But, um, yeah, the English were super young, and last year they looked good, and I expected more from them this year.
0: Yeah, like, like um, Jude Bellingham is obviously a super young, great talent. Declan Rice is, um, you know, and he's fully into his career, but still becoming a great player. Um, but obviously, I, I think it's some of the older guys oh, that hold bold. them back. Like I, I don't think I don't think that Kyle Walker is as good as he used to be. I don't think Jordan Henderson is either. Um, and I think they could have gone other ways. Like Trent Alexander Arnold isn't starting in the England national team. It's kind of crazy yeah, to me. No,
1: I, I agree. And I, I think after that France game, uh, yeah, Kyle Walker, man, he's, he's just got to get phased out. Um, That was a really poor defensive showcase, I feel like, from the English against France.
2: Yeah. Um, and we obviously
0: have to give our flowers to Luke Shaw for not dying in this <laughs> yeah, World Cup because he did. seems to die in every competition. <laughs> but, um... I think that's going to wrap it up for us with the World Cup, and um, that'll put us into this week's stake your claim. And um, Luke, I want you to go first because I'm very excited. Right. You, you really hyped this season. Listen up, up.
1: okay? This is this is my time as a Steelers fan to really just piss on our quarterback situation right now. If Ben Roethlisberger plays this season. And we and the Steelers, yeah, you already know it's coming. You already know it's coming because, (laughs) listen, as a Steelers fan, I have watched us (laughs) struggle through so many close games where I can sit there and say, yeah, the Steelers beat the Steelers today. And it happened all damn season long. And I think the difference maker is Ben Roethlisberger. If he's in the game, he wins those games, and we have a record above 500, a hundred percent, there is no doubt in my mind and it's just it really comes down to the young the young quarterback and the quarterback play. Kenny Pickett in recent weeks has looked awesome and I am very excited about him and I think he is the franchise. But I would have loved to have seen Ben play one more year and draft Kenny under him because we the Steelers look a lot better than I thought we would this year and I feel like our missing piece would have been Ben Roethlisberger.
0: I don't know. I, I feel like it, it was time to move on. I think Ben needed to retire. He was getting old. He was getting beat up. And, like, the last thing you want to see is this legend, like a guy that Steelers fans have watched for years and years just absolutely suck. It's hard to watch. Like, I'm, I was having that with Matt Ryan last year as a Falcons fan. Like, he was my guy. And like I saw him in 2016 when he was an MVP and watching him last year was hard to do. And so I I feel like it's seasons like that where you try to extend your career when you don't need to. that that tarnish your legacy amongst the fans. And so I think Ben Roethlisberger getting out of that situation was the best thing for him and and his legacy. I, I
1: really do agree with you because as a Steelers fan, I couldn't bring myself to watch Ben Roethlisberger be worse than he already was last season. But to go against one of the points you made is he was getting beat up, but he played every game last season.
2: Yes, I
0: I get that. But I mean, past injuries as well, those are still looming, especially with an older guy like Ben. And I I think it's obvious that he's enjoying his retirement. His podcast podcast is awesome. But I I think that this season was important for Mike Tomlin. Because for... I'm pretty sure the entire time he's been with the Steelers, Ben has been the guy. And it's going to be interesting to see what Mike Tomlin can bring to Pittsburgh to make a change, because I don't think that Mike Tomlin's going to get fired. He's got a contract until he wants to retire. But we've seen many different eras of the Steelers under Mike Tomlin, and I'm interested to see what um, happens over the course um, of these because next couple years. a lot of years.
1: people... You know, always this was the one argument against Mike Tomlin, is a lot of fans would say, but he won the Super Bowl against Arizona. Well, the players on that team were Roethlisberger, Palomalu, James Harrison. I mean, you had all these guys, but the one factor that they all had in common was the main guys were drafted by Bill Cowher, the coach before Mike Tomlin. The main argument against Mike Tomlin has always been that the the team that Tomlin won championships with, or a championship with, was with Cowher's team and he's never had to draft a quarterback in his entire career or at least a franchise quarterback. And yeah, this season was a big season for him. And I'm, I really hate the people that are calling for his job, honestly, because there are some out there.
0: Yeah, Yeah. no, you can't call for Mike Tomlin's job. That's, that's ridiculous. Mike Tomlin, look, the Steelers (laughs) don't fire their coaches. They've had like three... Co- I think I said it in an episode a couple of weeks ago. The Steelers have had like three coaches in yeah. the last it's ridiculous. Like 40 years. So Mike Mike Tomlin's got a job as long as he wants one. And it, it's just about what he brings in. Um, Obviously, quarterback is something that needs help. And obviously, you can sit around and you can wait on Kenny Pickett to get good. I think he will be good at some point. Do I think it'll be within you know, the end of this season or next season, probably not. He'll probably have his moments, but it, it's going to be a process. And I think that people just need to strap in and realize that Mike Tallman's going to do his thing. He's going to do what his team needs to win. And like, he's drafted very well on the defensive side. And that is something that's really shined. TJ Watt is Thank you. by far the best defensive Thank player you. in the league. Man, and, and I, I'm I willing hear a lot of Michael that.
1: Parsons these days. Which is another horse, but TJ's still got it in my opinion.
2: Yeah.
0: Micah Parsons is definitely up there. I think TJ has the a a full skill set. Obviously Micah Parsons is ridiculous, but I, I think that TJ's um quarterback pressure is a little yeah, bit better and, and than Micah's. and TJ
1: Mike is. is obviously, I mean, you've seen his interceptions, especially the one against Burrow um, in the last steelers Bengals game where he just jumped up and caught the ball. I mean, he's catching a Joe Burrow pass at point, point-blank range, which is insanity to me. Insanity.
2: Yeah, half of his no, receivers <laughs> and running backs
0: can't do that. They
1: cannot. All right, Grayson, I, I want to hear your hot take. Let's hear it.
0: All right, well, I'm so glad that you went with the Steelers because I also have a take about my NFL team. I think that Desmond Ritter will play well enough that the Falcons will not draft a quarterback this year.
1: That's a big one. That's a big one. So let's hear why, because he doesn't (laughs) have a lot of games to prove himself anymore.
0: I, I think that at this point, Obviously, Mariota has been kind of squeezed out, and that happens to him. You know, it's happened to him twice now in his career. He's gotten squeezed out uh, by an offense led by Arthur Smith. Interesting. But I I truly do think that Desmond Ritter is a good quarterback. And I think, just like I've said before, it is um, that new quarterback boost. And and like that, it's similar to like the interim head coach boost that a lot of teams get where something drastic changes with the team and everybody's willing to play. And look, if Desmond Ritter looks great, that means that he looks great without Calvin Ridley, without Kyle Pitts, and I, obviously I think that this week we're probably just going to keep running the ball, but we're going to give Desmond Ritter the opportunity to play his game. He's got Drake London, he's got Olmeda Zacchaeus. Like there are still guys on this team that can make a difference in the receiving game. And I I, I do think that Desmond Ritter has good things to show. Uh, I, I think that the Falcons would be stupid to pass up uh, if maybe C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young falls to them. But if the Falcons have a top 10 pick and they take <laughs> Will Levis, I'm going to lose my mind.
1: Oh, man. Why is that?
0: Uh, Will Levis sucks. And and when it comes to the other quarterbacks that would be available, Hennon Hooker would be awesome. Okay. He would really fit in with this offense. But the guy's already 25 years old. And then with the other guys that are available, I just don't see as much value. Anthony Richardson is worse than Will Levis by a a wide margin. And I, I just. If you can't get CJ Stroud and you can't get Bryce Young and you're in the top 10, it's not worth getting another quarterback. Get or something you can else. Wait on There's Caleb plenty Williams. of other problems with this team. <laughs> from
1: USC. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, you could wait on Caleb Williams. Shit. You okay. could wait on Jordan yeah. Travis from Florida State.
1: Yeah, I like it. But see, the argument, though, and I, I'm so tired of hearing this. I, I get why that, you know, Will Levis did play in the SEC. I I hate that argument. I can't stand that argument anymore. I get that they're they're playing against better talent, but just just go for the guy that's good, man. I mean, Will Levis. Will Levis is on a mediocre Kentucky team that completely lost its um the track that it was going on. It. I mean, they looked good at the beginning of the season, but they, you know, they kind of fell apart there midseason. I feel like, and Will Levis was a part of that.
2: Yeah. No, like Kentucky sucked.
0: And yeah, Will Levis, Will Levis is like uh, a a GM's dream because if you just looked at him, he's tall, he's got a 10 and a half inch hand, like people want a a quarterback that's built that way. I just think that it's the decision making. It's just the the raw ability that he shows on the field that doesn't separate him from any other guy. I really like
1: how you put that. Is he... He doesn't do anything amazing like Caleb Williams or CJ Stroud do that, that separate them. I like that usage of the word because it's true. Will Levis is just another quarterback. He is just another Stetson Bennett in this draft or well in, in this kind of like quarterback class.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he is. I, I, I do think that Stetson will probably get picked up like super late in the draft and then probably retire within the next couple of years become the quarterbacks coach at Georgia eventually become an offensive coordinator I don't even think
1: he can do that uh,
0: probably in the next yeah, 10 years that that That's also has to be my hot take cuz I
1: hear it all the time on campus is people love to suck the cock and balls of Stetson Bennett I'm I'm tired of it I I can't the guy puts up crazy numbers <laughs> and he's a national championship I will never I can never take that away from him and I'll never dog on his mentality but if he was not on a if he wasn't on Georgia football, he would be mediocre at best and we wouldn't fucking know the name. <laughs> we wouldn't know the name, but people love this guy. And I, I don't root yeah. against him. I mean I mean I'm a dog, right? I, I pull for Stetson to do well. But the delusion that he has created in Athens is unbelievable. And I hate to be a part of it.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, Georgia fans did out. the same thing with Jake. How Fromm, many Super
1: Bowls did he so. win?
0: Exactly. <coughs> yeah Yeah. Well at least one of their is quarterbacks true. has a Super Bowl now
1: That is true
2: But Yeah I just
0: Yeah I, I don't see the allure with Stetson it, Trust me We both know plenty of Georgia fans And they love Stetson Bennett He's not going to be anything Look he, he was the national champion He's got a great story Now he's a Heisman finalist I think that's the extent of Stetson yeah. Bennett as uh, a player. He's he's got a name and yeah, he's got uh, uh, quite a uh, a resume as a not as For a player sure. but and, and as And that kind of goes back of to a that team. mentality,
1: but I think the delusion in Athens is has it, it's a lot of it has been created by Kirby Smart because this is oh my god, I can't tell you how many times I've heard it in his fucking post-game interviews. Kirby Smart always So Kirby, you know, the offense kind of struggled on the road today, and he's always like, oh, SECs, it's so tough to play here on the road. I'm just happy we won. And it's just, oh, it fucking pisses me off because if we had a Heisman-level quarterback on this football team, there wouldn't be such a thing as a road game. (laughs) There wouldn't with how stacked Georgia is. And and Kirby continues to make excuses for him, which I get it. He's your starting quarterback. You want to take pressure off of him, but it's – it's egregious and they don't, they don't even really game plan for Stetson anymore. You can see in the amount of time Stetson throws the ball during a game, they don't even let him throw. (laughs) I mean, it's unbelievable the delusion that people have around Stetson Bennett, but I I like him, and I think he'll go back to back this year, but it's just people, people need to stop thinking that he's top tier.
2: Yeah. and, And honestly,
0: um, I don't think that JT Daniels should have started over him last year, but I do think that um, because he earned that spot, he just got to play this year. I think Carson yeah, Beck I'm, is probably a better quarterback, and we'll see some, that next uh, year.
1: five-star talents, I'm pretty sure, that are sitting behind Stetson right now. I'm really excited to see them get their opportunity for sure.
2: Yeah, like Carson Beck is about to start his career wow. at yeah, Georgia he, as a junior. He's a long
1: way without really being the starter.
2: and I think that
0: in Carson Beck and Brock uh, Vandegrift's situation they they both have had the opportunity to play against guys even on like the second team um, guys that will probably end up in the NFL so the best thing about playing at Georgia is that even at practice you're facing guys that are all Americans, guys that are going to make an impact on NFL rosters and I think that They've got a great thing going at Georgia to become the yeah, next dynasty in college football. Yeah, I agree, and, and a lot of that, I feel like has football. to do
1: uh, with the other team in the SEC, Alabama. Um, Nick Saban's only getting older, and kind of like with Tom Brady is you're seeing a lot of angry Saban this year. There's been a lot of blowups by Saban this year, and I, I think it's because he's suffering. He He's getting choked out by the rest of the SEC and especially Georgia.
0: Yeah, uh, I think that you know me and Brock have talked about this a lot on other episodes, and that the the transfer portal in NIL is is changing the scape. Um, the the entire uh, NCAA has been flipped on its head with transfers in NIL, and I think that Alabama is kind of the they're going to be the team that's made an example of uh, when it comes to all that because you know, nobody wants to be in Tuscaloosa. They just want to play for Nick Saban. But you rather play for Nick Saban and be a backup for two years because there's already great players or go to Vanderbilt and get NIL money and play a ton of games and get the experience against SEC players still. Like, I think that... Now that the money's involved, and if you go somewhere, you can just leave next year.
1: Yeah, I I completely agree. And and this is coming from somebody who just got into college football this year. Um, And NIL deals, I I really hope that they spread the talent in college football, and especially you know in the SEC with, with teams that can offer these big NIL NIL deals. I feel like we might see more of more. We might see more competition in the SEC than it already
2: has already.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, we've already started to see it. Like I said, Vanderbilt, um, they've kind of been the laughing stock. And then this year, they upset a couple of teams that nobody really thought they would have. The South Carolina, yeah, that would have been insane. But unfortunately, they got their ass kicked. Um, But then, like South Carolina, Shane Beamer is doing a great thing there. But, you know, the transfer portal is getting hot. And,. Like there's so much talent leaving South Carolina now. And like we talked about it on Tuesday's episode that, you know, we thought that South Carolina players were really buying in with Shane Beamer. And it's just it doesn't seem to be the case with how many transfers are going out. But at the same time, it's going to be a revolving door in a lot of college football programs with transfers. You know, guys are going to come in, guys are going to go out and there's going to be a lot more parity. Um, when it comes to the college football playoff, and, and you Speaking know who's of, uh, in the top, top 10, ten year after year, after what year. do you
1: think? What the fuck do you think is going to happen with Purdue next year? I, I I am very curious to hear your take on this.
2: I don't know, really.
0: Uh, I, I think they're going to be okay. I don't think they're going to be great, but I, I did see that Drew Brees has been brought on yeah, as an interim that's that's assistant said. coach. Which is super interesting. Um, I have no idea, you know, what Drew Brees could bring to that program. I, I get that, you know, he's a legend and one of the best quarterbacks of all time, but you know, does he really have the chops to coach a team in one of the best conferences in college football? Um, that's a that's probably a very not good
1: point, but I think. Um... I don't know. With, with Purdue, Drew Brees could offer a lot of help to the quarterback, I think, obviously. Maybe maybe we'll see a, a big quarterback transfer there with Drew Brees the, as the assistant head coach or assistant coach. Who knows?
0: Yeah, maybe a, a, a kid that, you know, has idolized Drew Brees for their, you know, coming up. Maybe a kid from Louisiana, Mississippi, uh, even southern Texas. Um, you could see that happening. but. I, I, I still don't think that Purdue's going to be a, probably, a, a probably nice not. destination for funny, most
1: Grayson. guys. I meant to say Colorado. Yeah. Yeah, with Dion Sanders.
0: <laughs> Makes a lot more sense. Yeah, but yeah Colorado. I think Colorado is going to be a huge thing because Dion has now proved that he can coach college football. Whether he's the one, you know, really making the decisions... Uh, that's probably not the case, but Dion is a teacher, and he he is a an a, a personality, and he is a very emotional coach. And the thing is, is when it comes to you know cornerbacks and things like that, you don't find a lot of secondary coaches that were you know top top guys in the league. But Dion Sanders can still teach the secondary. You know, his things. And yeah. that's coming from one of the best corners of all time. So you can't really pass up the opportunity. Like Travis Hunter was, I believe, going to commit to Florida State or was committed to Florida State, decommitted and, and chose Jackson State because of Deion Sanders. And now we're going to see the same and thing with Colorado, except there's going to be a whole what? lot more transfers. They've already transferred in. Yeah, like, see, well, it's Division One, but at the FBS level, it is a whole big step up. So I'm interested to see it. I, I think Colorado probably end up being like a top five or six team in the Pac-12 next year. Uh, I definitely don't think they'll contend for the top, but I also don't think they'll be as bad as they were this year. Um yeah, I, I'm definitely. Excited it, it's going to be interesting. Um,
1: I a little bit disrespectful though on Mister Dion's part is I. I heard that when he first um, was hired as Colorado's head coach,es he he pretty much said, "Look, some of y'all better hit the transfer portal because you're not gonna play." And I don't know. To me, that was kind of like, "Come on, Dion! Like you can't work with what you've got a little bit." But I don't know. His his whole notion, the whole thing that he is based um, seems kind of like a revolving door. Like he's just in it to bring in the talent.
0: yeah actually, me and Brock had this oh, exact nice. same conversation on Tuesday's episode. but, um, yeah, and and i'm I'm gonna do it again. I'm gonna argue for Dion. Look, Dion wants to win. He <laughs> don't give a shit. And look, Colorado sucked last year. So if, if he needs to clean house, he's gonna clean house, but Dion wants to yeah. win. It's, it's just who he is. He's not going to put up with some shit. He's not gonna, you know, there's no transition phase now. Now that you can transfer whoever you want and they can just play. There's no such thing as waiting on these guys, uh, waiting on Dion Sanders' guys, or waiting on this head coach's guys to get in. They can be his guys if he decides to be active in the transfer portal. I, I, and I that's exactly agree with what that. he's doing. And um, last thing I wanted to touch on, uh, there was a couple of MLB free agent signings um, that have happened between Tuesday's recording and today. Uh, the big one, Carlos Correa, thirteen years, three hundred and fifty million to go to the Giants. And I'll be honest, all off season, I thought he was going to New York. And I'd love to get what you think uh, about
1: Carlos Correa. Uh, I don't really care. Uh, I mean, ditching the, the Yankees that said to the Giants. Jeter wasn't really that good. Um, I, I <laughs> well, the, the, the WAR definitely <clears throat> has something to say about that. But D- Jeter is the most clutch defensive player of all time. My opinion. I mean, his plays are ridiculous.
2: Oh, I mean,
1: uh... that—that that was really it. I mean, I don't what, know, Carlos on. Correa. He—he's definitely a good shortstop, but I don't—I don't think the Yankees really needed him.
2: I'm not too upset about that.
0: That's fair. Do Do you think that the Yankees are? Gonna be shopping for I, Dansby? Do you think I they're think just the gonna kind of settle for, what they've, for got. what they've
1: got? But I would at least like the Yankees to pursue Dansby just a little bit. I I do like Dansby a lot. He he's very frustrating. I know for a lot of Braves fans, including you. But I. <laughs>
0: yes, I absolutely. I, I him in New York for if it was cheap. A good five years.
1: Yeah.
2: It's not gonna be because he already
0: turned down. Uh, what was I think he turned down twenty. And then we turned down 26. So uh, you're 20 looking at much. like the 23, 25 range <laughs> I, for I him. Think it is. And uh, that's way too much, honestly. Like, if the Braves want to bring him back, he shouldn't be getting paid more than Austin Riley, yeah, who and I that, believe that's is at surprising 22 or 23.
1: I'm boy that he would, you know, turn that down. But I don't know. I mean, I guess he wants to look elsewhere.
2: All right. I, I think he just wants to go to the Dodgers. <laughs> yeah. As, and suck as off Freddie a little do, more. I
1: feel like.
0: <laughs> yeah. But um, one more. Uh, we got like two or three more big signings that have happened. Um, Noah Syndergaard goes to the Dodgers. And, and that was a move that just totally wasn't on my radar. I knew that Syndergaard was a free agent. Um, I expected him to re sign with Philly. Uh, I know he didn't play at, like an outstanding, but. Um, you know they go to the World Series. He pitched all right. I thought he was going to get his spot back, but yeah, that that's um, an interesting. I guess one LA took up I, the money.
1: I, I'm kind of surprised that he didn't re-sign with Philly with how you know electric they were this year. But ah, that Dodgers team that he's joining, they're they are different. Uh, just just with talent on paper, I, I don't know if it'll all come together. Um, like Dodgers fans may, might think it will, but it, it definitely is a decent pickup for them for sure.
2: Yeah, and
0: then the last one I want to get into, uh, it came out right before we started recording, uh, Carlos Rodon signs excited, with the Yankees, with and uh, I want to hear Talian, what you think.
1: Or losing Jamison Tallien, I, I think he it's much needed, and it's typical Yankees fashion. Bring a, bring a free agent here for a million dollars and then just watch him flop. Hopefully not, but that's what I've done for my entire life, so... <laughs>
0: That's fair. I think Carlos Rodon can have a great impact. Um, he's a great pitcher. He was very good in San Fran last year. He was extremely good in uh, Chicago the year before, and I think the Yankees needed this. They need a, a a true second best starter because Rodon and Garrett Cole and and I know I've I've heard your frustrations with Garrett Cole before, and all Yankees fans, but. You got to give him the the benefit of the doubt when it comes to he was the best pitcher on the market. You guys threw that money at him because he deserved it. So I think that you know Garrett Cole can be a a top five pitcher in the league when he pays or sorry plays like it, and you know maybe if he put a little something on his hands, but. I think Carlos Rodon is going to be nothing but great for you guys. You needed a, a great left-handed starter. Carlos and I think Carlos Rodon is 100% year. the best available.
1: I, I don't think that's out of the realm. I, I really don't.
2: Oh, I like that. No.
0: No, he's been great. And, like, in San Fran, which is um, not as much of a hitter-friendly ballpark as New York, still, he had a great season. Uh, I'm just interested to see because, look, pitchers often don't look very good in New York because of the short porch. And I think that, you know, people need to take that into account when they talk about Yankees pitchers because we talk about it with Rockies pitchers. We always give Rockies pitchers the benefit of the doubt when they give up a bunch of home runs because they play in cores for 82 games, or sorry, 81 games a season. But in Yankee Stadium... Like home touch. runs, just kind of like a fly ball is a home run. Uh, no, if I it's couldn't hit agree the right more. Field. Um, yeah,
1: and that's actually a good point that you just made that I had never thought of before. Is you never hear Yankees pitchers getting the leeway uh, with the short porch at Yankee Stadium, and it? I mean, I get it. You know, they're the Yankees. They're pretty much the Cowboys of the MLB. Nobody wants to give them any leeway, but it definitely has to be mentioned. I I feel.
0: Yeah, uh, I agree, and um, I, I think I'm that's going to wrap it up here. for us. Anything I, I else you want to say to the, the people, episodes.
1: Luke? This, this is going to be very fun. I, I cannot wait to give you guys more content.
2: Awesome. Well,
0: with that being said, I think we're going to get out of here. We will see you guys or well, I will see you guys on Tuesday with Brock, and uh, me and Luke will see. Uh, be back here next Friday. But uh, we'll catch y'all later.